0: This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow
1: Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. Republicans unveil their multi-million dollar package to keep the brewers in Milwaukee for the next 27 years. Coming up, why not everyone is a fan of the proposal? Plus, GOP lawmakers keep Governor Evers' special session on childcare and the workforce alive for now. And the latest dispute over diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at the UW System. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for September 22nd. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm JR Ross. Well, we finally got all the Mm nitty-gritty details on the funding package for the Milwaukee Brewers. The deal would spend nearly 700, or over, excuse me, 700 million dollars, and the team would stay in uh, AmFam field for the next 27 years. The lease would be extended to year 2050. So here's the funding uh, breakdown that you see on your screen, it would be 411 million dollars from the state. $202.5 million from the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County. $100 million would be the contribution from the Brewers. Now the state share of the funding would be tied to the projected income tax revenue from Brewers players and staff along with visiting players as well. Now supporters of the public funding package note that this revenue would also essentially disappear if the team left. Now the city and county um, just imposed the city sales tax uh, to increase the county and city sales tax and if they're unable to make their annual payments which is about 2.5 million dollars each year respectively those dollars could be uh, taken away from their shared revenue payments is what the mayor said um, first let's just hear from one of the authors of the bills with his representative uh, uh, Bob Brooks um, he spoke about this and had a very similar theme that we heard back from when the deal was reached in order to keep the Milwaukee bucks here um, in Milwaukee uh, let's take a listen to what he had to say
0: The governor put together a proposal that could potentially keep the brewers through 2043, but in my opinion, did not fully fund the two studies that were completed. Our proposal you have before you today extends the brewers and keeps them here through
1: 2050. Our deal raises no taxes. It's cheaper to keep them. If the brewers leave, there is no question that all of that income tax leaves the state of Wisconsin. Now, in order for this bill to be a home run, Mm Pun intended. <laughs> it needs uh, the signature from Governor Tony Evers, and it could also require some Democratic votes. So that's the big question. But right away, um, the governor wasn't pretty too excited in a statement um, from a spokesperson uh, that basically kind of said, Well, I thought my plan was better, which would spend $290 million from the state surplus. We also heard a lot of criticism from Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson and top Democrats who really just didn't like the portion that they are requesting. Um, from the city and county, which is over $200 million. Now, there was a lot of concerns expressed from Johnson himself, not only from that, but also how they would raise these funds in order to do this after it seemed like they just got over the hump with this new sales tax that they could finally start getting some relief to not fall into insolvency with this package. Um, now, Brooks and other members uh, who were part of these negotiations basically said there's still room on this bill, there's no also sense of of urgency to get this, d- well, there is a sense of urgency to get this done, but there's still so much time mm-hmm. to have these conversations at the Capitol, and, and that's why this is, you know, unlikely the final deal that we're going to see on paper.
0: Well, uh, go back, we talked this summer about kind of the early incarnation of this package, it's about $135 million from the city and the county. Basically, Republicans put this number in there of 2 of 2.5 as a pressure tactic, saying, you guys really engage with us this summer about final details, so we're gonna show you a little sticker shock. This is what could be, it actually could be higher. Um, Brooks just said, if you guys aren't gonna kind of play ball with us, more puns for you. Um, but there are a couple of issues to think about. Um, number one, don't forget there's also a $50 million of components bill that would give loans from the state to the stadium district, Have to the pay them back, so it's not really a contribution necessarily from the state. There's that piece, for the city and county, it's 7.5 million a year annually for 27 years. Uh, Five million bucks in the county, 2.5 million from the city. Where do they get that money, right? So it mentioned the mayor's sales tax. Sales tax would go towards their pension costs. If you take money away from the sales tax for pension costs, it elongates how long you're paying off those pension obligations. That means that tax stays around longer. If you go back to the shared revenue discussion, there was a cutoff of X year or pension obligations go away. The tax goes away. Well, you would push that off. So there's an issue there. What's going to happen with that? The brewers... Um, are not really doing all they could. People tell me to engage the capital in a positive way to get something done. What I mean by that is, go back and look at that Bucks deal eight years ago. The same cheaper to keep them phrase. The Bucks did a ticket tax that helped kind of create a local contribution to the cost of the stadium. The Bucks also were building an arena, which was meant a lot of union jobs in southeastern Wisconsin to construct this thing. Now there are union jobs at Amfam Field. But they're not building something; they are maintaining jobs, right? Those union jobs that were created to build the stadium for the Bucks got Jennifer Schilling in Lacrosse, Janice Ringhand, uh, southern South Wisconsin, on board other Democrats because they saw union officials saying this is good for us. I'm not sure if the unions are going to be as big a push on this for maintaining a facility. The Brewers don't want to take a ticket tax for a couple reasons. When one, it raises the cost to go to a game. Ticket sales. The Brewers are doing very well this year in first place and ahead of the playoffs. But maybe baseball in general has had kind of sluggish sales for tickets at times. So the more expensive you make it, uh, the fewer people come. The Brewers have the smallest market, TV market in the league. The more revenue they can get from parking, from tickets, the better off they are. Parking. The mayor says, let's do a district. Mm-hmm. If you take up real estate from parking, you lose revenue for par- it, It's just. The brewers could have done a better job from day one particularly. like, hey, we're gonna do stuff that's gonna help this and we're willing to give more. Not saying hundred million bucks is not a lot of money, but don't forget, a minority owner of the brewers just this week put his home in California for sale for seventy-five million dollars. That is not called great timing in politics, to be talking about something like that. So there are a lot of challenges. If you need Democratic votes, you have to give them a reason to vote for it because for outside Republicans, this is not a great vote. I mean, what's your, your draw? Obviously, the arguments can be made from backers of the more revenue we have from the brewers, the more it goes into sales tax, the more it goes into shared revenue, because we now tie shared revenue for local governments to sales tax. So higher collections are, the better it is for you in Spooner, Wisconsin, and Beloit and all these other places. I don't know that's a a winning argument, though, for some Republicans. For Democrats, there is not a single Milwaukee Democrat yet saying, I am on board with this in either house that I've seen. That's a challenge. Rob Coles in Green Bay, Republican, Tim Carpenter in Milwaukee, Democrat, want an audit of the district state finance before they do anything. We keep hearing we need something done this fall about the Brewers. I don't know you can get those audits done if, if they're gonna do them. If you can copy the support in the next six weeks before they break for the year, if you really have to have it done this fall, uh, we're on a tight timeline.
1: Yeah, I've spoke to many Milwaukee Democrats uh, this week too, and they also had an issue with Well, we learned that the stadium also wants to be winterized, which means they want to have concerts and other events there a whole lot more. And specifically, Senator Larson uh, from Milwaukee, a Democrat, said, well, hey, if they're going to be expanding events, you know, there should be something reinvested in Milwaukee. We should get a piece of the pie. And he brought up once again, too, possibly floated a ticket tax um, Mm -hmm. and just having some of the revenue generated from ticket sales to, you know, disperse to make it, you know, tossing out there like a learning center or just something more that the community can benefit from. There's also backlash from that the city and county would remove um, themselves uh, under the bill from the the stadium district board. Um, right now they have representation. They have a, a say in these decisions that they make, but under the new bill they would be removed from that. And that is what uh, Mayor Johnson described as taxation without representation. That was something that he was really outspoken about almost even, you know, an hour before the bill came out because I'm sure he took a look at it. So, But by no means, you know, this is the end-all, be-all. Um, but what will change and will we see Mayor Johnson and uh, Milwaukee County Executive Dave Crowley back here lobbying at the Capitol for a say in this bill? It remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, that board right now, it's 13 members, I think, from the five-county area's original sales tax that built the stadium and did maintenance for a while. They go to nine members, four pointed by the governor, two each by the majority leader, or the leader of the majority party in each house, no minority representation from yeah. Democrats in this legislature, and this team. So the idea floated is, well, the mayor, the governor could give up, you know, one of his appointments in Milwaukee, for example, to make it more palatable. But I don't know it's going to fly. Just to get, that alone is going to get Democrats on board,
1: right? And this price tag is way more than what it was originally to build mm-hmm. the stadium, but you know, you have to put out there with inflation, a lot of these costs now are much more expensive because we've heard that argument from many people in the public as well. All right, let's move on to um, uh, another topic this week was honing in on child care and workforce because it was Governor Evers' special session uh, call on Wednesday. Now, while lawmakers were here at the Capitol, he was touring a child care center in Fitchburg. You know, once again, touting his nearly $1 billion package. For example, there'd be about $340 million that would go into the pandemic era program. Child care counts. There'd be another $60 million invested in the workforce uh, shortage to address it in the health care industry. Um, we, we never knew, you know, I think we could expect that Republicans weren't just going to accept this sweeping proposal, but the special session did end differently than others that, you and you know we have covered before where they quickly end without sec with, with within seconds republicans and bullchavers gabbled in they adjourned but they didn't gavel out which means this really leaves room right now for republicans to Consider some of Evers' proposals, make changes to it, or craft their own. Shortly after the session was adjourned, we got a statement from Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemehue saying that Republicans will continue to work with Wisconsin families and will present their own workforce development proposal to the governor. Now... The governor's special session and his proposals were referred to a committee yesterday, and Senator Fyan said they'll take a look at it and hold a public hearing um, likely on into the next coming days. So it's not an end-all, be-all, but I think we can expect that Republicans are going to make drastic changes to it or just present their own and go go that route. Yeah,
0: Evers is dismissive of the six bills he submitted last week in his stop at the at daycare center. Um, watch this process. Lemahue said there's going to take, like, any other bill they will do something. I would bet more policy, uh, more, more of a, oh, changes in policy than additional state aid. Maybe they find some kind of deal. And I interviewed Lemony last week and asked, you know, the governor flow's idea about, well, if you give me something for child care, I can do a tax cut. Is that an option to you? And he said, yes, he was open to it, but not really state money for child care subsidies, subsidies. more like, Can we do some credits or something like that? So maybe there's a way for compromise yet, but it takes three to tango in this capital. So gotta get Robin Voss on board that idea too, and I'm not sure if he's there.
1: Right, and then this also comes as there was a new report um, by Forward Analytics, which is works under the hood of the Wisconsin Counties Association, that shows that sending two kids to college um, at UW Madison could be it's almost cheaper than what the cost is right now for childcare. Let's first just take a listen from some Democrats. That was kind of the cuffs to their argument with rising costs and inflation right now. It is just almost more expensive to send a kid to child care instead of college. Um, and let's listen from a daycare provider from their perspective before we move on. I don't know how you can call yourself pro-life when you devalue the people who nurture the life. There is one answer to solving the childcare crisis and the workforce crisis in our state. And it's to make sure that every single family, every single child has high quality, affordable childcare, and that every single early childhood educator is allowed to stay in the field because they can earn a living wage.
0: We prepare them for the rest of their lives and you expect us to live with poverty level wages. Childcare will literally not survive without immediate and consistent financial support from our legislators. We don't need a hundred little things over the next year. We won't be here in a year.
1: So we'll see over the next few weeks um, what Republicans propose and what ends up happening in this committee on child care and the workforce. Now let's move on to a, a resolution that was proposed just yesterday by five Republicans in the assembly that are basically presenting impeachment articles, not for. Supreme Court Justice Janet Protosawitz. This is for Megan Wolf, who is the Administrator of the State Elections Commission. Now, it's important to note that many of these uh, Republicans that you see on screen right here, Representative Branchin, Representative Allen, they've had uh, you can say sour relationships with uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Boss. So they went ahead and kind of presented this uh, by themselves. Uh, Important to note that any resolution in order for it to be referred to a committee would have to go through Voss. Um, he wasn't immediately available for a comment yesterday nor was his spokesperson so it remains to be seen but I think uh, we can maybe expect this might not go anywhere but you never know here in the Capitol. Um, the resolution accuses Wolf uh, for uh, basically Lying to the people, uh, having violations of election laws, and Wolf really just slammed that statement outright, because if you look at a lot of these articles of impeachments, a lot of accusations and claims that were actually actions of the bipartisan elections commission and not Wolf. Uh, Wolf said in a statement that the allegations in the resolution are false and that every major decision related to the 2020 presidential election was made by the agencies, uh, of the six bipartisan commissioners, just as I mentioned. So, You know, looking at some of these articles, you know, they brought up things like uh, sending, not sending special voting deputies into nursing homes. They uh, had an issue with absentee ballot drop boxes. I mean, all of basically the rehashing of these issues that many Republicans have had a problem with for a very long time when it comes to their criticism of Wolf.
0: And many of them were pet causes of Jamel Branch when she was chair of the campaign's elections committee in the assembly. A position she was removed from by Robin Voss because she continued to use that post to push conspiracy theories, and then she went and backed his primary challenger last fall. Um, Chuck Wickers also backed Adam Steen that primary last year, Elijah Banky uh, was caught on a uh, hidden camera saying he wanted to punch Voss in the nose, so these guys don't have great relationship with Robin Voss. That said, they represent that wing of the party for Republicans who have an issue with Megan Wolf. Looking at the resolutions. So, yes, Mr. the special voting deputy is one. It basically says that she assisted, she facilitated, she helped the commission do this, which is kind of her job. Like the commission votes, then she's supposed to carry out the commission's orders. It almost makes the argument that she should have said, no, I'm not going to follow your orders, which would have been an interesting approach for an administrator of an agency controlled by a six-member commission. One resolution talked about drop boxes, said they were unknown in Wisconsin before the 2020 election, which is not true. Um, Scott McDonald, uh, Dane County uh, clerk, did a survey of his local clerks. They have one that had it in the mid 80s, we're using a drop box now attached to a, a municipal building, but a drop box for absentee ballots. So they're just, it raised a lot of things we've heard before uh, that have been issues among these kind of, this group of people who convinced the election was stolen from Donald Trump. I just don't know where it's gonna go. Remember in the assembly, you need 50 votes to vote to impeach somebody, move to the Senate, where you need a two thirds vote to remove two-thirds vote to remove her from office just a week ago, right, in the Senate, because they want her fired as elections administrator. I don't know if they want to go this route, though. Don't forget we have the lawsuit pending in Dane County Court that Josh Carl filed last I checked. There's been no hearing scheduled in that, but she remains on the job. But this is potentially a potentially vehicle, even though these people are not friendly with Robin Voss right now, We'll see. There's a push to get this to do it this way.
1: Yeah, we'll see if it has legs to it too. But you know, even talking, trying to talk, I should say, to some Senate Republicans, many were not even aware of this um, when I made some calls yesterday, and others are like, "We already kind of did our job um, with our frustrations with Wolf by firing her exactly a week ago uh, because this came out on Thursday." So, kind of just waiting to see what happens with this. But again, this kind of fuels the anger mm-hmm. and frustrations over Wolf and. As you even heard from her statement, uh, she's, she's almost, I would say, pretty tired <laughs> of yeah. it and just trying to wait to see, because she's remaining in her role. I mean, she is pointing to that the Attorney General, Josh Call, is saying, you stay there and you continue doing your job until this lawsuit uh, uh, plays out. And a
0: third, I don't forget, the clock began ticking last Thursday sure. for the Joint Community Legislative Organization. If there's a vacancy in the administrator's job, that committee controlled by Republicans is going to appoint an interim. now. Would they force that issue with lawsuit pending? We'll see, but that's another avenue to keep in mind with Megan Wolf.
1: All right, and uh, the DEI battle, diversity, equity, and inclusion is continuing here even after Republicans put in their budget a $32 million cut to the UW system to eliminate certain positions and efforts going forward. Assembly Speaker Robin Boss has said that he will seek to now block pay raises for the UW System employees unless the university makes those cuts, which ramps up pressure from university leaders. And this was something, JR, that you first reported on. Um, and this is once again, kind of just putting to head that Robin Boss is not really letting this issue go we've seen this even by uh in florida and other states that they really want to hamper down and get um, these conversations and positions out of uh, universities and colleges across the country
0: so voss has said repeatedly no more rep no more resources toward uw until they cut these jobs so when i interview him i was kind of curious well how far would he go Um, and apparently he'll go as far as to try and hold up these pay raises now remember the Legislative Fiscal Bureau of the Nonpartisan Budget-armed legislature completed its analysis of the pay plan last week, submitted to the Joint Committee on Employment Relations. That committee is co-chaired by Robin Voss. With state employee pay raises, you have most state employees over here, then you have those who are still in unions, not many because of Act 10, then you have UW. It's a separate pay plan. So, Joker as we call it, could in theory come in and take up all other state employees and not take up UW. The question is, how would that committee react with a UW pay plan in front of them? Um, the pay plan, it's 4% the first year of the budget, 2% the second for most state employees. UW, they fund them at that level, but UW can assign pay raise the way it wants to. Go through that committee, If two Democrats on it, we assume they'd support pay raise for UW, right? The Voss has two other, some Republicans, the way Robin Voss goes, they probably go. Okay, Senate Republicans. Howard Markline, co chair of the Finance Committee, has Platteville in his district. They are closing Richland Center. How is Howard Markline going to feel about people back home if he's not giving pay raises to the Platteville employees? Mm-hmm. Devin Lemahue, also on that committee, how does he feel about this push by Voss? Is he is passionate about DEI. So if it came to a vote, maybe they deadlock. But what Voss can do, people tell me, is basically prevent the committee from meeting on UW and just basically hold it just kind of let it sit there and not do anything. So then what happens? So what does UW do? What What is a path out of this? Uh, Jay Rothman said, uh, got a statement from last week, he hoped to find a resolution, but this, you know, we thought the the engineering building at Madison, that was like the real punch. Okay, Robin Voss made a statement, they're not going to do an engineering building that was needed, wanted by the business community. This is a whole nof- another level of what he's willing to do to try and make a point about DEI positions. And he's, this has become his... For, for Governor DeSantis in Florida, it's Disney. Disney, right? Mm-hmm. That's his. This is Robin Voss's Disney is going after these DEI positions.
1: All right, and uh, I asked the governor about this too. You know, what is your advice to UW System President Rothman? What would you try to say? Would you want to try to sit down with Voss and talk this out? Um, he basically just called the whole effort ridiculous. Let's just take a listen to what else he had to say about the whole uh, battle going forward.
0: If for some reason, he's got to be in his bonnet around the issue of DEI, for God's sakes. You look at any major industry, even smaller industries in the, st- in the state of Wisconsin, they care about diversity and equity and inclusiveness, and somehow our, our institutions of higher education should be banned from doing it. I mean, that is so reactionary, I, I just, it, it's unbelievable. Frankly, um, I think it's ridiculous, and I think the people of Wisconsin think it's ridiculous.
1: Now, staying on the topic of education, State Superintendent Jill Underlee held her annual address. It was her third one, and what she really talked about was the rejection of efforts by Voss to block diversity, equity, and inclusion inclusion programs amid a push by Voss. Um, Now, this also comes as the Department of Public Instruction is moving forward with a website to disclose details of school spending after the Joint Finance Committee dropped an objection to include information on private schools. Um, No other real major headlines that came out of this address. J.R., anything else that stood out to you?
0: Once wants more funding? Not a shock, Shock. but it (laughs) underscores that there is this push for DEI saying, and university officials say, look, most major employers in Wisconsin, your Kohler companies, those they're saying these guys include DEI efforts in their how they run their businesses. If you want us to prepare kids for the workforce, they have to know about DEI because they're going to have to deal with DEI once they get their job. So it's an interesting pushback.
1: And abortion was back in the spotlight also this week at the state capitol. There was a public hearing on abortion-related bills. Now, this package is being pushed forward. Uh, Most of them were authored by uh, State Senator Romaine Quinn from Cameron, and he is moving forward with these. When I talked to him, he said it doesn't matter that there's ongoing legal battle about this. It doesn't matter that Planned Parenthood resumes services this week, and it doesn't matter that Evers has even basically vowed to veto any proposals that wouldn't restore the same rights uh, pre-Roe. So he is talking about multiple bills that would, for example, change the definition of abortion by clarifying miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies are not considered abortions under state law. It would also prohibit state and local government officials from providing or promoting abortion services. It would also allow tax flyers to claim a fetus as a dependent if an ultrasound detects a fetal heartbeat. And another bill would award grants to pregnancy resource centers. So his pitch was basically saying hey, this is not the end of the conversation. I would hope that we can update our abortion laws um, despite all of this, you know, expectation that. The lawsuit seeking to overturn the 1849 near total abortion ban is likely to go to before the state Supreme Court. That has a new liberal majority. Um, Here's what he kind of had to say in his explanation to saying let's keep this conversation going forward to Democrats.
0: Look at these bills on face value and say, what do they actually do? It increases resources for families. It creates clarity in the law. It helps families adopt children Um, and it extends tax benefits um, for families. Again, remove the partisanship from this and realize that this helps families, and I think both sides of the aisle truly do want to do that.
1: Senate Minority Leader Melissa Agard responded to the bill saying, you know, this is just another example of why we need to get this issue resolved and make it way through the court to restore and defend abortion access here in Wisconsin. So this debate not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Now let's get to stock picks this week, JR. Rising this week is college voters. Um, Why?
0: So we talked about those half dozen lawsuits that can shape how elections are run in Wisconsin. The cross County judge this week rejected one of them but mostly on procedural grounds. So this lawsuit stemmed from a recount in the sheriff's race in La Crosse County. About 176 votes, I think, was the difference. The Republican who lost didn't seek to challenge it, but a a chief election observer did, argued her vote was diluted um, by various things, including college kids voting from their campus address, not their hometown. Uh, The judge said a couple things. One, first, you must go file a complaint like this with the Elections Commission, not right to a judge. Two, you named the wrong people in the lawsuit. You should have gone off the municipal clerk, not the county clerk, and some other issues. But he also talked about the vote dilution theory. And this is important for other election lawsuits that could come up um, with this theory. Go back to the Dropbox lawsuit and the ruling from the Supreme Court uh, last summer. This came up that because there were votes cast by uh, APSE ballot in Dropbox, it diluted legal votes. Uh, remember that was a split decision. It was a 4-3 ruling that drop boxes were not allowed. But Brian Hagedorn was not with the other three justices on the, uh, various things like why they could file, file. The standing question. He did not embrace the voter theory. And the judge in this case said, Hagedorn and the three liberals in dissent made clear that that's not a good theory to use. So one lawyer told me this is a, a clear, a, a good thing because it says you can't just, any voter can't just go, I'm going to challenge that law because it impacted my vote. There's going to be a higher standard for lawsuits going forward.
1: All right, and mixed this week is uh, Mayor Johnson announces that he will run for re-election for uh, mayor of Milwaukee.
0: So Johnson and David Crawley, too, the county executive, mm-hmm. I mean, these guys have found a way to get Republicans to approve a sales tax hike for Milwaukee. People never thought it would happen. They got a revenue stream to fix Milwaukee city and county's uh, pension problems. They've got to share revenue coming in big things, but they also did it with their constituents paying more at the cash register. So there are also still crime problems in Milwaukee, right? People tell me if you had a well-funded, probably self-funded candidate who could sit with the coalition of the left and the right and make issues of those things plus crime, you could give uh, Johnson a run for his money. The problem is that can't, doesn't exist. You know, it's mid-September, elections in April, nobody's really stepped forward. David King, who is a perennial Losing candidate, as he's going to run for mayor, uh, but nobody else. Johnson had about 157 k in the bank. End of June, uh, one of my sources said he raised 50 grand at his first fundraiser post-announcement. Uh, he's in pretty good shape, and he's done a lot of good things. Also, though, now has his brewer things to deal with. Mm-hmm. Just got this, I'll say a pile of cash, but these revenue streams, and they want to take some of it away. So it just makes life more difficult. Still in pretty good shape for reelection in the spring.
1: All right, and following this week is Wisconsin's water use because it is down.
0: Yeah, Wisconsin Policy Forum studied sales by utilities to communities, found that they are down near historic lows, uh, both resident, resident residential customers, partly because of federal uh, conservation legislation and low-flow toilets and showerheads, much to Donald Trump's chagrin that we use those these days. Um, but industries also down their usage, and for example, in Madison, uh, Madison's Lost, Oscar Mayer, uh, the headquarters of the manufacturing facility, two dairies and a bakery during this process, all heavy water users. Their use is down 83% compared to the when it began. is only one piece of the puzzle, though. It's also agriculture, right, and withdrawals from aquifers. Even that's down about 6%, I think it was, compared to a few years back.
1: All right. That will do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Emily Bannon,
0: And I'm J.R. Ross.
1: We'll see you next week.
0: This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio.
1: Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.